0: Penn State's going to need a lot of help from its new wide receivers for next season if they want to be successful. But there's one other important component to the success of the passing attack. Oh yeah, Drew Aller.
1: You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. My name is Zach Seiko, and it's the celebrity guest week here as we're rounding out January. And up next is Eric Olson, who's a great colleague, a great friend, someone that we've actually done hockey broadcast together. You're still in the hockey field. I've kind of moved on to, to radio, this video podcasting platform. Uh, but now back together, Eric Olson, who is the color commentator for Penn State Men's Hockey. Uh, you can hear his calls on the local radio if you're in the state college area or, of course, on GoPSU Sports. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for joining me. And of course, you also uh, do play-by-play when your partner in crime, Brian Tripp, Uh, is not available when he's uh, on football duty
1: yeah you got it thanks for having me Zach Uh, it's been a lot of fun doing hockey it's hard to believe it's my fifth season now with the team but uh, you nailed it everywhere you can listen to us and yeah now I start to get to to do some more play-by-play opportunities with uh, the opportunities that Brian Tripp has now with uh, athletics so that has been a lot of fun and then of course doing color uh, in my normal role
0: yeah, so I just want I want people to to understand how, you know, the the talent that uh, you bring over into this guest spot here and your knowledge, because we are going to talk some Penn State men's hockey in the final segment, get a lowdown on the team and an update, because this is a really good team this year. They're solidified in the top 10, definitely could be considered a top five team in some places. They've beaten top teams, and they got Michigan uh, here, and you'll be out there uh, calling that series with Brian Tripp in Ann Arbor. We're going to talk some football to open up uh, the offseason goals, and then some expectations for the 2023 season. Uh, Let's begin with this, Eric. When they won the Rose Bowl, uh, it it was a great feeling. They beat Utah 35-21. to From your perspective then, where where do you think everything shifted immediately after they got that win? Just kind of what was the feeling you took in for the Penn State team?
1: Well, I think that was such a convincing performance that it just felt like that was the culmination point, right? I mean, that was what they were building to all season long. We saw progression game by game and a few stumbles here and there, but that really felt like everything came together at the right time. And to see Sean Clifford go out like that in his final game, everything he's done for the community, for the program, that was great to see and him just be able to have that moment coming off the field. And then after the game, just standing out on the field, kind of embracing that, and soaking that all in one last time. But I think after that game ends, now the shift becomes, okay, what can we really be next year? And, you know, you, you almost don't want to jump to that right away because you want to enjoy the moment, right? Just yeah. uh, take that all in. But you look at, and there were going to be some questions right after the game ended, like, okay, who's going to continue to come back? Who's going to end up leaving? Is anybody going to transfer? And once those questions really started to be answered, then I think it really shifted to, okay, how good can we really be next year, Uh, that internal conversation? So I think it it just seems like the sky's the limit. So that Rose Bowl felt like a great culmination point. Everything they built upon from start to finish that season with the guys they had, it would have been great to see them make the playoff. Would have been great to see them win the Big Ten championship, of course, but To go to the Rose Bowl and have that type of performance and get the win, I mean, they had a great performance against USC offensively. It was one of the best games we've seen. It was just a great shootout back and forth. But defensively, to shut down Utah the way they did and then score points, be able to dominate with the ball on the ground, the performance that Clifford had, that was my biggest takeaway is that, hey, this is a team and a program that can continue to get better as the season progresses. You want to be playing your best football in December or January, and I think that's what they were able to show.
0: You want to be playing football, period. <laughs> you know, right. when, it, yeah. when it comes to yeah. when it comes to college, um, Eric. I mean, wide receiver seemed like it was falling apart. Parker Washington has the season-ending injury and ends up ultimately opting for the draft, which was personally my biggest surprise then Mitchell Tinsley there were kind of there were some debates around his eligibility apparently Penn State could have filed for an extra year if they wanted to uh, but since he had played you from JUCO to Western Kentucky and then all the way through there there might have been some things they could have done but you're you're losing your top two contributors at the pass catcher and then nobody's joining in from the transfer portal and, and you're sitting here wondering Okay, what's going on? Because Drew Allers here, the offensive line is completely intact. Like there are little to no question marks. Why would you not want to come in with a prestigious program like Penn State and be a number one or, compete? you know, at least compete for the number one or number two wide receiver spot? Taylor Stubblefield gets filed. Marcus Haggins comes in. And now they have Dante Cephas and Malik McClain. All of a sudden, all of this going later. Did they do enough at wide receiver to make you sit here and say that? Uh, this could still be, this is going to be a lethal passing attack when they need to go to it.
1: I I think that's really the big question, right? Is, did they do enough? And I don't know that we can answer that right now. Okay. Hopefully once spring ball starts and the blue white game happens, we'll kind of have more of an answer, but yeah, you're right. That was, for me, that was the big question too. Um, once Parker said he was going to the draft uh, and Tinsley has gone, you know, what, everyone knew they would have to look to the portal, right, mm-hmm. to bring something in. And, you know, Cephas, everyone, everything I've read, everybody's saying, you know, he went into the MAC as, you know, a guy no one really knows about and kind of undersized, but then proved that he can be a guy. And you bring that type of talent in. He's a burner. I think he's going to be a great downfield threat. And then Malik McLean, like you said, coming in from Florida State, I think people like his size and what he can bring. I think it's two really good additions, and then you hope that Keandre Lambert Smith, the breakout that he seemed to have in the Rose Bowl, can he build upon that and and bring that into next season. So, and now with the new hire at wide receiver coach, does that change the dynamic at all? I think it's still questions left to be answered, and then you tie that into what Drew Aller's progress is going to be like can he gel with these guys in spring ball is that enough time is it going to have to transition into fall ball and and summer practice and really up to the beginning of the season and and what's his progression going to be like in terms of development as well i think it was great to see him get a lot of time during the season coming in and getting reps especially in big 10 games but it's there's a big difference between coming in for some series here and there and being the guy from start to finish in a game against some of these defenses so i think there's a lot for him to continue to build upon. Uh, and now he'll have a full, another full offseason and full summer to really digest that playbook and what Mike Uricich wants to do. So I think there's still some questions left to be answered, but I think Theo Johnson looking at the tight end position, Theo Johnson coming back is great. Uh, obviously Brenton Strange is off to the draft, but I think Theo coming back will help the wide receiver group a little bit because this offense You know, it it goes when you have tight ends that can be a factor and then wide receivers that can get open and make an impact as well. You need both of those to mesh.
0: He's Eric Olson, color commentator for Penn State men's hockey with Brian Tripp. They are the team that covers the team when they go out, and you can hear that on Go PSU Sports. Eric's joining me here on Locked on Nittany Lions to talk about Penn State football and the ice hockey team in our final segment. Let's continue this thought with Penn State football, Eric, as the expectations for the team, how spring ball is going to look, what you think you'll see, what you think you'll see from the team, and what you want to see from them and then what the 2023 season ultimately holds that is coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our brand new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easing. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet. You just sign up at fanDuel.com/slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first five dollar wager bet to get $150 in free bets. That's right, $150 in free bets. Win or lose. That's it, win or lose. At FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, you got to check out the brand new show, and that's Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, players, and more. It is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. Eric Olson, special guest joining me today. He is the color commentator for Penn State Men's Hockey in the broadcast booth with Brian Tripp. And Eric, we're going to talk Penn State Men's Hockey in our closing segment. But back to football, Uh, this is a team that's going to have a lot of expectations, but they still got to check off some boxes and some to-do's. spring practices and winter workouts are going to be that's that's where you get better every coach says it uh the off season is when you get better where you get better how can penn state get better in the spring season when we get to the bloom White game when it comes around in april what do you want to see what are you looking forward to seeing uh to say you know i feel comfortable with this team and any lofty expectations that we'll have for the fall
1: I think number one, what we were just talking about, right. With the the wide receiver group and and what they can do offensively. I think that's something I'm looking forward to seeing most because that's where the big questions lie. Um, do we see anything in the blue white game that suggests that, or do they kind of keep things under wraps a little bit? I don't know. And and hold that off to, you know, summer practice and fall ball. Uh, I'm curious to see that, but in terms of the rest of the development, uh, I'm excited to see what they can do as a group offensively. I think having most of the offensive line come back is great, especially Olu. It's huge to have him coming back. That was, to me, the most important position group last season. You know, As great as the running backs were with Singleton and Allen, as great as the defense was as the season went uh, along, None of that happens offensively without the offensive line performance. You know, you know, you don't have these great running performances. Sean Clifford doesn't have time to throw the ball if that unit can't solidify itself. And they did. And we know how much maligned it was the past few years and how much frustration there was within the program and outside of the program that it just wasn't happening the way people wanted it to. And now we finally saw what looked like, hey, okay, now this can be the future Seems like they figured it out. If that can continue in the next season, that's going to be huge. I think that's still the biggest key. If the offensive line can be a major factor, allow yourself to run the ball, give your quarterback time and space to make all the reads that you need to in like, a Mike Eruzione offense, things will be successful. So I'm interested to see, you know, can they continue to build upon that in spring ball? How can they develop the offense? I really liked. Jurisic's progression as the season went on. I thought he got better at calling plays, got better at dissecting defenses and what can make you, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you want to put your guys in a position to be successful with the right scheme, with the right play. And you also need to have confidence that they can make checks if they need to, you know, they've gone away from this offense as a program, but the the check with me, you know, you get to the line, automatically look over to the sideline, then you get your call and you go from there now it seems like the quarterbacks have more control over what if they audible if they need to or are we just sticking with the play so I want to see you know more development offensively with the playbook and again that might be something that's kept under wraps a bit I don't expect us to see a whole lot in the blue-white game Um, but I'm looking for that at the beginning of the season and and as far as you know expectations for next year I think the sky's the limit if everything comes together like i said the offensive line is going to need to continue to be strong if that happens they're going to be able to run the ball because you have two of the best running backs in the nation if not the best and then what's drew Aller going to be able to do um with another full offseason program how comfortable will he feel and what the wide receiver group is going to be like if offensively they can get all that to mesh there's no reason they can't put up points against anyone in the Big Ten. Defensively, I think they're in a great position with the guys they get brought back. And maybe the most important is Manny Diaz returning. Uh, you know, he, everyone knows he'd love to be a head coach again at some point. He said that, but he also said he's not going to leave if it's not the right situation. So for him to come back for another year, I think is huge. I loved what the defense did as the season went on, especially with that culmination point being the Rose Bowl. I think they're in a really good position to build upon that as well next year.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Everything that you brought up that uh, the offense is still going to have to go maybe through a little bit of a learning curve because you just went from a guy who was your four-year starter. I mean, he, he conducted the offense and he had so many offensive coordinators and it's about time that this Penn state team gets a little consistency. I mean, Brenton Pry was that anchor defensively. You never really had to question, okay, who was coming in, what was going out Uh, on offense. I mean, it was just a little bit of a revolving door there and at the wide receiver position coach, you mentioned the offensive line and I I don't, you know, I, I would agree that, uh, they were a focal point. It starts up front. every every coach will say that because it truly does. If your quarterback doesn't have time, uh, he's gonna he's gonna collapse under pressure, right? Um, But I think the running backs, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, Eric, were they were the huge difference makers. And it was nothing against Kevon Lee and Noah Kane, but they just didn't have it in, in the twenty twenty one season and that not having that running game, it, it just it, yes, the offensive line got better. You know, Juice Scruggs was back with the team. They were able to get a Hunter Norzad. Landon Tangwall gets a little older. Caden Wallace gets more experience. Olu becomes what he becomes. They didn't have that the year before I get that. But I I feel like Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen made it a lot easier for all of them to look better, right? Whereas Kane and Lee just couldn't do that. You know, Singleton's the home run, and Lee tried to be that. And Noah Kane just lost what he had. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I wish him all the best. You know, I don't want to see anyone not succeed that went to Penn State. Same thing with Keyvon Lee here. But I think those two individuals, and I'm going to be looking for them to take that next step. Because the first thing I think of is not Saquon Barkley and, and Miles Sanders, because there wasn't that relationship between the two. Saquon Barkley was a featured back. And Miles Sanders wasn't even really a compliment. It was Saquon Barkley 90% of the time. And then whenever the man just needed a breather, um, I think of Reggie Bush and Lendell white be, between these two and Singleton's yeah. Bush and Lendell white is Ktron Allen, where, you know, they, the home run hitting. And I think they can be better. I think they can both be Heisman contenders. I think eventually they'll both be first round picks and they're only sophomores. Like we don't have them for one more season at Penn state. They got two more years to get even better. So, and then what's after them. So what I'm getting at is I, uh, you know, everyone's going to be focused on, okay, can drew out lead the offense? Can the receivers be able to get some form of a relationship with them? Dante Cephas isn't coming in until over the summer, but what do you think about the idea that the backfield, and I don't like speaking this into existence, Eric, but the backfield might be one injury away from having serious concerns. I mean, I, I get Kevon Lee wanting to go start somewhere else. He showed that he's a capable Division One running back. It's just not at Penn State anymore, uh, it, and it's going to be at some, some select places that just need a guy like LSU needed a Noah Kane because um, I don't think he'll say, okay, go to Florida State or whatever and be the number one guy or go to Alabama and be the number one guy. That's going to be a little too tough for Kevon Lee, but he's also not a Mac running back either. Like I could see him landing at... It's just, I'm trying to think of one off the top, like Maryland, you know, Maryland could use Keevon Lee's services, for example, and I'm not saying he's yeah. going to go there, but uh, do they need a guy a running back in the portal? How closely are you paying attention to that group when all the eyes are going to be on the passing attack and Drew Aller?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you bring up a good point in that it, the depth has taken a bit of a hit and injuries happen. So it's something I hadn't really thought about, but I'm sure they're thinking about it within the program. I think you have two guys right now that could be every down backs. And I think that's a huge benefit to have. I mean, Singleton, what he can do when he gets a little bit of space and hit that hole is incredible. But I think we also saw him get better as a pass protector as the season Mm -hmm. went on. And then Catron Allen kind of brings more of that thunder uh, and he's fast too. I think his speed got better as the season went on. He can hit a hole and make you pay and also make you pay physically. So I, I think, uh, again, you know, these guys did all that. They were only freshmen, right? That's kind of hard to believe. They were only freshmen. So I true think now freshmen. Sophomores, exactly. I, I think now as, as true sophomores, they're going to continue to develop physically and you know, learn more of the game, be more comfortable in the offense. I think I'm pretty confident that either one of them could be a, a three down back if it was needed. If yeah. one of them, you know, God forbid ha- happens to get an injury at any point during the year, I think they feel pretty good about where they're at. But boy, what, I mean, what what a great duo to have, right? And, and you look at what Ohio, a team like Ohio State has had uh, over the years. You know, they it's always felt like they had a great stable of running backs where, you know, you put one in on first and second down and then here comes the guy on third down. He can make you pay too. And it never really felt like Penn State had that. I think they do now. Like you said, Saquon, he was the guy. You know, they didn't have that rotation. Now you can rotate both Singleton and Allen in, and each one brings something a little bit different from the other. But they also have some similarities. Good luck defending that for a full sixty minutes.
0: And what I like about having them switch on and off is that they're not as prone to injury. And it's not that right. you know if they were a three-down back. That, like, oh, that's, you know, they're, they're going to get banged up. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get tired real easily. No, 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 no. That's that's not it. But it, it's, like, just kind of think about, like, using two cars. When you're not using one, you know, you're going to preserve the gas in one when you're, when you're using the other. So when Singleton and Allen uh, take the field, they're able to get that rest, and, and they'll be able to have that strength, and they'll be smarter, and they'll be more rested as games go on. So this, um, I just, I really... I am concerned about not having a third option. Uh, Tank Smith has shown that he is capable, but there is a difference. And I've said this over multiple shows, Eric, that uh, Kevon Lee and Tank Smith are two different running backs uh, when, yeah. it, when it comes to it in, in college football. So, Eric, real quickly before uh, we get into men's hockey, your specialty, but of course, you know, football just as well as anyone here. Uh, this team, the expectations, at least for me, are college football playoff, our Big Ten title, I think it's going to come down to Penn State and Michigan in Beaver Stadium. That's going to be the deciding factor. Ohio State, I think, will take a slight step back. I don't know that Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, they, they have a quarterback battle right now. I thought it was going to be full steam ahead with Kyle McCord, and now we're hearing that Devin Brown might have an inside track. So with all that being said, for Penn State, if they don't make the college football playoff first, do you have them making it there at this point in time? And then second, if they don't make it, is it a disappointing season?
1: It's tough. It's honestly tough to say because I think there's still so many unknowns. I'll qualify and say, if everything reaches the potential that we see, if Aller comes in and plays great ball, if everything clicks offensively, if they stay healthy, the wide receiver group is strong. Uh, defensively they continue to build i think the potential the ceiling is playoff without a doubt if all of that comes together it's playoff or bust in my opinion but uh, again you know it's a 12 game season and a lot of things can happen but i i would say if if not everything clicks i think missing the playoff isn't a huge disappointment if they can still get a New Year's Six game. I think that's the one thing that could make everything a little bit better. You know, this year the Rose Bowl felt like a great reward mm-hmm. for what they did during the season. The way the structure is right now, before the playoff expands, it can feel like playoff or bust for a lot of teams, but having that reward of a New Year's Six can still be a great benefit. So I think there's still a lot of questions left to answer to be able to say, you know, is it playoff or bust? I think the potential is there for absolutely to be a playoff. But like you said, it's going to come down to that Michigan game. And I'm not writing Ohio state off yet. They're too good of a Mm -hmm. program to write off. Uh, They have a great ability to just plug and play guys. Uh, Quarterback will be the big question, but I think they still have so many offensive weapons that it, it might not make a difference, but those it's always going to come down to those two games, Ohio state and Michigan. And, of course, you have to take care of of business with Michigan State. Anything can happen uh, in that game. So (laughs) the division is tough, and that doesn't make life easy. And uh, I think it's definitely going to come down to those two games to determine what your your fate is going to be with the playoffs.
0: It is locked on Nittany line special guest, Eric Olson from the Penn State men's hockey broadcast team. He does color commentary alongside Brian Tripp. I am Zach Sako. We are going to be talking that top 10 team next, where they stand currently in the season, what the expectations are for that team, because they want to make the Frozen Four. They want to make the playoff. They want to be uh, one of those teams that uh, finally breaks through that glass ceiling for Penn State Athletics. And we're going to discuss that all next. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lines. I'm Zach Seiko, your host as always, joined by a very special guest, and that is Eric Olson, color commentator for Penn State Men's Hockey. And Eric, you got a trip uh, here, you know, at the time of when this episode's going to be posted. Uh, you might be, for some people who are listening or watching, you'll be wheels up, ready to go to Ann Arbor. But that's going to be Friday and Saturday against number seven, Michigan. Penn State's got a tough test here. Uh, number six in, in most rankings, but uh, Eric, you'll have a, what What's the updated standings for where Penn State stands right now? I've seen number six, uh, but what is the? I know the uh, they they the official ranking. Where do they stand right now in terms of you know the the tournament itself?
1: Yeah. So right now, you know the polls you see, the rankings you see, they have them at six, and it, it's those rankings are essentially irrelevant. College hockey is like what football used to be in the BCS system. College hockey does have a committee, but the committee, when it comes to selecting for the NCAA tournament, always looks at what's called the pairwise. And the pairwise is a mathematical system that ranks every team in college hockey. So again, back to what the BCS was. There's a formula that factors in results, home and away and non-conference opponent versus conference opponent, everything like that, and it ranks teams. So when it comes to the pairwise, Penn State is third in the country right now, which is a phenomenal spot to be in. And Minnesota is right up there at, at number one ahead of them. Then you have other Big Ten teams like Michigan and Ohio State in the top ten. Michigan State is just outside. Notre Dame is on the bubble right now, and Wisconsin is a bit further back. The Big Ten is so unbelievably strong for hockey this year that there's the potential for six teams to make the NCAA tournament. That might not happen. I think we're probably realistically more looking at five. It really depends on what Michigan State and Notre Dame can do. But in that uh, ranking, Penn State is third. That's the one that matters the most right now. Those rankings and standings continue to update when results come in. And then by the end of the weekend on a Sunday or Monday, You can really look and see, okay, where is the team at after that weekend? But they're in third right now. That's the one that matters most because 16 teams make the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. and the committee will look at who is one through 16. Of course, your conference tournament winners get an automatic bid and then there's at-larges after that.
0: Yeah. And Penn State, why they're at number three for some people that don't know. I mean, they've beaten a number one Michigan team. They've beaten a number one Minnesota team on the road at the time. They've beaten ranked Michigan state teams. They've beaten ranked Ohio state teams. They just fresh off of uh, not only a win beating at Notre Dame in South Bend the first time, but then getting the win in that whiteout atmosphere, which was absolutely incredible, and then yeah. beating RIT. So this is a. This is a team here, Eric, I just, I I sit here and say, because I talked about this on the radio a lot uh, when ESPN radio state college was still around. And and I talked about this with, with Steve and and with Brian, this was a team that was expected to finish sixth in the big 10. And now they're third in the country, according to the ranking system that matters the most for the tournament itself. And I'm just I'm sitting here laughing because I knew it. And I'm not I'm not even near the expertise that you and uh, and Brian have for this team since you followed them so closely. But I sat back and said with everything that they were returning with Liam Soulier coming back, that this was going to be a very good team and they were going to get into the NCAA tournament. So was that the same thing for you? How have they all come together? What has been the key component for this team to have this kind of success?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, that preseason stuff, maybe a little bit of bulletin board material, but I can tell you the program doesn't pay attention to that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they never have, doesn't matter, you know, one of the polls was a coach's poll, that had him at six, I saw some writers polls that had him finishing last behind Wisconsin. Uh, oh we definitely got a, a good chuckle out of that one. Um, because look, like you said, we, we knew it, looking at who was coming back, and I think you know one of the questions was okay Liam Soulier he, he took over the net at the end of the season he had this great you know run in the Big 10 tournament against Ohio State and played really well against Minnesota in the Big 10 semifinal could he come back now being the number one and, and continue to play like that I think that was probably the the biggest question and he answered that pretty quickly in the season with the way he started out and then you solidify your forward group by bringing in two of the most experienced players in college hockey in Torah Linden and Ashton Calder. Not only are they two of the more experienced guys, they're two of the oldest guys in college hockey at 24 and 25. They've played a ton of games. And, you know, Linden comes in as a center. They needed some center depth. He was brought in to be a really good centerized guy, winning faceoffs and playing a 200-foot hockey game, meaning he's good offensively, but also really good coming back to the neutral zone and defending. He can kill penalties as well. He has been a phenomenal addition. And Ashton Calder has been as well offensively. He's putting the puck in the net. The most important thing with these these two guys is they fit the culture really well. When Penn State is looking at bringing in transfers, it's culture first. They're not going to bring in a guy for the sake of bringing in a guy. He has to be able to fit the culture of that room because they rely on their culture so much as a program. That's the foundation that they build upon. And in some of the years previously when they've had struggles, they've been very honest in saying, you know, the culture isn't where we need it to be right now. We've had to focus too much on that outside of the rink. And this year, a guy said from the very beginning, I have no issues with the culture. I'm not worried about it at all. And this is the first time in a few years where we really haven't had to think about it. Right from preseason camp, we've been able to just focus on things on the ice instead of trying to work and build the culture off the ice. So those two guys have been great additions. The players they brought back, you got a freshman class last year that played a lot of big minutes, a lot of games. They're coming in now as sophomores, they're contributing. So these are guys like Danny Genev and Ben Schoen. Genev is really coming along offensively right now. So some of that youth that was coming back and then what Liam Soulier has been able to do uh, from the beginning of the season up to this point right now has been absolutely incredible so they are where they at they are where they're at because of what sulia done on the back end what they've done defensively as a team offensively are they putting in five six goals a game no but they're also keeping the puck out of their net and they're getting timely goals so it's something that they haven't really been able to do the past couple of years everything is kind of building up to this great culmination point right now.
0: So Eric, Penn State's got Michigan with this important series. And again, that's going to be over the course of Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time when the puck drops for both games. And Penn State, you know, really needs to continue to solidify the resume because uh, people are questioning, you know, well, they're, they're not getting the sweeps. They're, they're splitting these series. Uh, so what do they ultimately – they need at least a win, but do they still – do they need that series sweep of a team like Michigan on the road to really solidify that they are one of the best in the country?
1: I think a sweep would definitely help kind of quiet that conversation a little bit, mm-hmm. but people need to know that sweeping in the big 10 is a really, really hard thing to do. I mean, these games night in and night out are battles for 60 minutes. If you sweep a team in the big 10, you played. Uh, an incredible series because it is just not easy to do because these teams know each other so well you're not fooling anybody when you get on the ice uh, against each other and it really comes down to who can play their game the best for 60 minutes a lot of times that's what decides it so going into Michigan is a really tough thing for Penn State to do they only have one win in Yost Ice Arena since 2014 and that came in the Mm -hmm. 1920 season that team that had the ability to go to the Frozen Four. Ultimately, everything was cut short because of when the pandemic hit. But that was their first win in Michigan since 2014. It is not an easy thing to do to go into Yost and get a victory. So for Penn State to do that this series, they're going to have to play their game for 60 minutes. And you hear that a lot from the coaching staff, from players. It's just you know one of those hockey phrases, hey, we just got to play our game, we got to play our game. But it's true. It's not about what the opponent does. It's about what you do. That's what the game of hockey is all about. So for Penn State, that's being responsible in their own end of the ice defensively, getting pucks out quickly. They want to get it in the attacking zone as fast as they can and go to work offensively, winning some battles. Of course, everybody, everybody knows they want to shoot the puck and shoot the puck a lot. Mm-hmm. But you need to have the puck in order to do that. So it's about puck retrieval. When you get into the offensive zone, getting it back to the point, moving it around, and getting a lot of shots to the net. If they can do that, they can have success offensively against Michigan. They do need to stay out of the box, though. They've had some penalty troubles over the past few weekends, which is why some of those results haven't been there, and I think people are noticing that a little bit. The other key in terms of special teams for me is power play. Penn State's 0 for their last 15 power play opportunities against Michigan. Now, that includes the two games earlier this year, in Pagula and the two games uh, at Michigan last year. Those were two one-goal losses for Penn State. They played some of their best hockey in Ice Arena last year and just fell short in both games. But I think they have the unit offensively to go into that arena this weekend and get it done. you got to be able to stay out of the box, though, because Michigan has offensive talent up and down its lineup. A guy like Luke Hughes on defense is absolutely incredible. Adam Fantilli, he's expected. He's a forward. He's expected to be a a top two pick in the draft coming up this year. So they have some guys you got to worry about. But Penn State also has some guys you got to worry about, like Kevin Wall and Connor Mm McEachern mentioned the two uh, transfers and Tor Linden and Ashton Calder. So they have some guys that Michigan has to worry about as well.
0: And then, Eric, when we sit here today, do you think this Penn State team makes the NCAA tournament?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think it's, it's all but guaranteed at this point where you, when you look at where they are in the pairwise at this point in the season. It would take something pretty extraordinary, I think, for them not to make the tournament. They're basically one or two wins away, especially because you have Michigan coming up, then Ohio State, a bye week, Minnesota, and then Wisconsin. So three of your four remaining series are against teams in the top 10 in the pairwise. If you can get a couple wins there, it essentially locks them in for the NCAA tournament, which they'll go to the regional in Allentown this year. And that's expected to be some some great Penn State crowds.
0: Home ice advantage. I like that. Yeah. Eric Olson, the color commentator for Penn state men's hockey. If you want to listen to some of these upcoming series, especially Michigan, cause it's going to be such a back and forth battle that's going to be over in Ann Arbor. So you're going to want the audio call. You're going to want the home. You're going to want the home favorite audio call with he and Brian trip. And that you can find that over at go PSU sports for all of those. And on the local radio in the state college area, Eric, thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to have you back on to update us on the team at, as they get closer to the Big Ten tournament and then ultimately the NCAA tournament where we both expect them to be.
1: Yeah, of course. Excellent. Thanks for having me and looking forward to to coming back on. It's It's a really exciting time to be a Penn State hockey fan. That's for sure.
0: Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the brand new show, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one spot. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players and coaches all at Locked on College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Remember to subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions on YouTube for more Penn State content. It was uh, awesome to get the Penn State men's hockey perspective from Eric today, but we're going to have more on football. Uh, Nias Hawkins will be joining us for a brand new episode. We're going to talk about some breakout players as well for the 2023 season. Keep it right here on Locked on Nittany Lions for all that
1: and more.